commitments, our responses to God in and through our stewardship. Um, next week's going to be another great day in the life of the church, so I hope you'll be here. It's All Saints Sunday, which is always an important uh, time in the life of our congregation to remember those who have blessed us, who have gone to be with the Lord. It's also going to be a day where we celebrate Holy Communion together as well as uh, have some baptisms. And so I hope you will be here. And I think some college students will be here. They're going to have a retreat at our uh, church next week, The Journey. And so they'll be singing as well. So it's going to be a great day of worship. Ben's preaching. So if you're not here, that means you didn't want to hear him and he'll take it personally. So we've allotted him four minutes. He just reminded me. I get four minutes to preach. Uh, so it's going to be a great, great Sunday next Sunday. So please be here for that. We're looking in Acts, and I say looking in Acts because it is a little difficult when you think about, well, we're going from one chapter to the next chapter, and we're pulling that together. It was never separated. You know that. In the original writings, there were no, there were no chapters. There were no verses. It was just, here are the Acts of the Apostles. And so this was all smashed together in the original text, so it's right to put these stories together and see what the Lord has to share with us here. And we're seeing in the life of the church just some, some incredible things are happening in the hearts of people, in the ways that they're ministering to each other and sharing with each other, but also in the ways that they're rightly worshiping God. They have seen God incarnate. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, has come to be with them. He has dwelt among men. And now they have this gift within them, the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. God has come close, but also there is still a healthy, biblical, and right reverence for God. Okay? So they have that, and then we get to chapter 5, verse 1. A man named Ananias. What a great name, by the way. The Lord God. Jehovah is gracious. That's what his name means. The one who knows that God is gracious, named for that very fact, and this happens in his life. And then you have Sapphira, whose name in the original language means beautiful. It's where we get the word sapphire, uh, from, which, from where we get the word sapphire. And yet they both hold back. So today is Commitment Sunday. If you don't want to die, <laughs> just saying, just, we got two accounts, don't be number three. That's not what's going on here. There's some of that, and we need to talk about that. But really, in this context, putting both these chapters together, as the original text would have it, we see the, the contrast that's given here with Barnabas. And I think it's important to do that study and to see that. Because otherwise, why would you put this story here? This is a terrible story. God's done some amazing things in the lives of some disciples who just didn't get it. For three years, they were stumbling and bumbling with Jesus. And now finally, the Christ has died for them. Their hearts have been made right and the Spirit has come and they have His power to not just be freed for life someday, but they're, they're, they're free from the, from the curse and the power of sin now. They're, they're saying the things they ought to say. They're standing up when they ought to stand up. All these wonderful things are happening, these signs and wonders. 
why do you get this story? Why put that here? And I think the text would argue for us because of this contrast that we need to see. I mean, there's limited space in Scripture. Why put this here? John says in his gospel, if I wrote everything that Jesus did, it would fill up the whole earth. Why give a couple of verses to this story? It's a stark reminder to the church how quickly things can turn. And typically, and biblically, that turn does not usually happen with somebody just radically turning away. It's, It's typically one step. I take a step here, then I take a step there. I take a step not to be faithful in this. Eh, nothing happened. I'm moving on. I take a step to be not as faithful as ought to be in this relationship or committed to this or whatever. It's typically one step. Ananias is not holding everything back. He's holding that, that difficult word. He's holding some back. It's a good season. We come to commitment time and we're thinking about not just our giving. We're thinking about all the things that God has blessed us with. Where are those places of some in my life? Am I holding back some time? It's the Lord's. Am I holding back some relationships? Am I holding back some God-given talent or, or a spiritual gift? You see that with Ananias here. It's not I'm holding back all things, but it is God's allotted portion, and I'm holding some of it back. How is it we can, we can do that? Just that small step to miss what God is doing in incredible ways. What, how God is blessing. How God is sharing with thousands upon thousands, not only the name of Jesus Christ, but the grace of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. But a little bit of some that we can get tempted to keep from the Lord, that which is already His, And it's that one little step. Why this story? It's a bad first impression. Have you ever ever made a bad first impression with somebody? I know I did. Um, One of my churches that I served, they they held a welcome to the church party about a month, six weeks before I got there, one one, uh, late May. Now, they had gone all out. They had invited the whole church, everybody, you know, not just everybody who was there, but everybody who used to be there. Come on, we've got a new preacher, everybody show up. But it wasn't just they did these incredible invitations. They, they put out a spread. I mean, all kinds of food, a big, they had all these things planned. I think there were skits. I didn't show up. I didn't go. You think about that as a first impression. Everybody comes out, gives up a night, right? They do all this work, get the whole fellowship hall decorated. They've got all the church looking great for the new pastor and all these things that they've prepared. I didn't show up. How do you think they felt? I know how they felt because they talked to me about it. (laughs) They were fuming. They were grumbling amongst themselves. Why do you think he didn't come? I mean, he and his whole family were supposed to. I don't know. Why don't you think he didn't come? I don't know. You, you did call him, right? I didn't let him know. Did you tell him? Well, I didn't let him. Nobody told me they were having this thing. But they were stewing for a good hour. He's not here. 
I bet his wife's terrible too. She, she couldn't even get him here, right? I had a bad impression for about an hour, and then they didn't tell me about that for like, I had, I had to be at that church for about three or four years until somebody finally told me, oh, by the way, we had had a party for you, and you weren't there. They were embarrassed, so embarrassed by it. I know I made a bad first impression my first Sunday here. At least I think I did. Because after the early service, I went to the wonderful reception y'all have. What, four, five, six hundred people just racing through to say, hi, I'm so-and-so, just a line backed out. You know why that line was backed out? Because one of you held me for five minutes. And that person, I've scanned the, scanned the sanctuary, they're not here today. One of you held me for five minutes, which is an eternity at a reception at a church of this size where you're just trying to get everybody through to say hi to the preacher. But there I am with but not just me, but my wife. And not just my wife, but my three children are there for five minutes with somebody from our church saying, I just don't know what we're going to do without Jim. <laughs> I, I just don't know how we're going to make it without Reverend Genesee. I mean, he was so good to us. Oh, he was such a good pat. And for like the first minute or two, I was laughing. I was like wanting to text Jim, you know, from my pocket and like listen to this, you know. But after about four to five minutes, I was getting a little upset because my kids are sitting there going, Dad, you ain't nothing, you know. <laughs> Apparently, Mr. Jim is the bomb, you know. So I apologize to you all if I didn't make a good uh, first impression. What kind of impression is this? The church is moving in incredible ways. Lives are being turned around. And you got to talk about this? John Wesley, our forefather, does. When he gives a, 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 an incredible and detailed definition about the church, this is part of the definition. Why stick that in there, Father Wesley? The church disciplined by Ananias and Sapphira. Accountability is a part of the life of the church. And we see that contrast here with Barnabas. If you go back to the previous chapter, it's the exact same thing. Here's a life of somebody who can give and not grasp. Somebody who can share and not have to hoard. Somebody who can give freely and maybe even not need the limelight for that. Because not only do you see Ananias holding back, not trusting, being selfish, but going back to the previous chapter, the guesswork is, since Luke highlights Barnabas, that he's given this, maybe Ananias heard about it. Uh, maybe I wasn't going to really give anything, but I sold this and I heard that Barnabas got celebrated, so look at me. Maybe that's what's going on as well. Not only it's, I won't share, I'm holding back some, but also, would you look at me? And early on in the church, God has said, we need to be very, so careful about that, that there's going to be this kind of radical, radical discipline. That's why it's critical. Listen, it's critical that we give, okay? It's just critical. I just came out of a trustees meeting where I sweated about 10 pounds. It was great. I encourage you, go to trustees, you'll lose weight. But as we're thinking about our campus and the fact that we're buying a $70,000 chiller next year, unless y'all want to just come and do this, we're going to add to our budget. Um, but what I get excited about is 
we're going to grow in our, in our student budget. Just, just for the amount of, of, of youth that we're able to reach. I'm ecstatic that we're growing. So, sometimes you might say, oh no, look at that budget increase. I'm like, yes, the Lord's growing us. Or to look at our kids on Wednesday night. Um, we're reaching more people than, than we ever have. Reaching more small groups than we ever had, doing more missions than we ever had. Always been a faithful, but God continues to open doors as we reach people for Jesus. We see here, though, in the early church that, that the church can be tempted to turn inward. Um, you and I won't do that, though, because we've met Jesus, right? When you've met Jesus, it's a hard turn to withhold. It really is. When you've met him to turn life and to make it about me, I, I remember there was a Robert Redford movie. I'm not recommending it, but it was a Robert Redford movie from the early 90s that Sarah and I had watched one time. And at the end of that movie, they had pulled off this heist, and the government was going to pay them because this heist actually thwarted an overthrow of the government or something like that. And they lined up all the people on Robert Redford's team and say, okay, what do you want from the government? Dan Aykroyd said, I want a Winnebago. Get him a Winnebago. And somebody said, I want this. Give me that. Good. What do you want? And I remember one of the guys said, I want, I want that FBI agent's phone number. What a great pickup line. You can pick up anything you want in the whole world. Give me her phone number. And then somebody else said world peace, and the government official said, we don't do that. <laughs> then the person said, I want you to try. And the government official said, okay, we'll try. But my favorite, there was a woman on the team. What do you want? I'm good. Hey, what do you want? You can have anything you want. I'm good. As our choir and our students sang about Jesus, we are so Good, because we've been blessed with a great salvation in our Savior. And now this life that we see that's happening in the church because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's hard to turn inward and say, I'll hold back. There will be some of my time or my resources or my gifts or my talents that I'll hold back because of what Christ has done for us. But when the church gets it, when people like Barnabas get it and they can release, what happens after this? And by the way, what happens after tough accountability? I think it's verse 14. I'm speaking from memory. But you see what ends up happening after this. Yeah. After that discipline, the church grows. And after that discipline and after people get serious about faith, in verse 16, it even expands into the surrounding villages where people get healed when the church says it's not going to be about us but we're going to be open to the lord even when he comes to discipline and the church continues to explode so we've been talking about those things together how is it through our prayers how is it through our presence together now if you've been here every week you know i haven't talked about that if i was going to go through those five typical commitments of the united methodist church i would have done presence on the second week of this sermon series but listen my ego is too fragile for that because on that weekend it was fall break what preacher wants to i saw your social media pics right i saw where all y'all were there's no way i didn't i had a friend who did that 
And I actually went and watched their Facebook live feed as he preached to an empty congregation, not empty, but half-empty congregation on presence. When will Genesee learn? But anyway, <laughs> if, she, if that person was going to yell at me about Jim, I'm going to strike back on Jim. All right. We've been reminded this morning, though, of course we're going to be present. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. That's why we gather. There are so many reasons, and I know that there are real reasons to be checking on family. I understand that there are reasons to be out. Um, but we're reminded this day, we come here for him. I just, I love him. You love him. And I come here because I want him to know I love him. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Our Bible reading this morning, if you're doing our Bible reading plan, is 1 Corinthians 13. And we talk about love and, 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 and it's a wonderful passage. We read it at weddings, but it's not really a picture of as much of our love. It's a reminder of that's how he loves. He's loved us and not counted our wrongs. His love is patient. His love never fails. So we gather together on this day, as much as we're blessed by each other, we gather on a Sunday to just to remind him again and say to him again, we love you. But I would also add to that too, and we see it in this passage, we gather together because we need each other. Uh, when we get this picture of, of Barnabas called the son of encouragement, I just, I need y'all. I hope you need me. We just need the body of Christ. We gather first and foremost to let God know our great love for him, but we also gather together because we need each other. And lastly, I just need it. I was visiting with one of our, uh, one of our older members recently, and they were going through a, a time of loss in their life, a real a time of real grief and struggle, but she started bringing up about the church, and she talked about Sundays. And, and her statement to me was this, a, a life well-lived, well into late in her life, and would just simply say in one line, uh, Monday doesn't feel like Monday if I've missed Sunday. Hmm. Monday's not Monday if I've missed Sunday. I, I need to be in the house of the Lord. I need to be... Uh, with y'all. First and foremost, it's not about me though. First and foremost, it's about I want to express my love to him. I want to be an encouragement to you, but also I'm blessed. And so we come to this passage today reminding ourselves again of the commitment that God has made to us. That's really what we've been talking about this whole time together. It's not about what we're called to do. When we talked about our prayer life, we watched Jesus and we watched him pray we watched his relationship with his father throughout his whole ministry but especially at moments of Christ as he was always about his prayers when we talked about giving we didn't talk about our giving we looked at what the psalmist would say about God who's a giver we talked about serving together all of us have a place to serve there's so many ways, whether it's prayer ministry or working with people or working on homes, whatever that may be, there's a place for all of us to serve. But we're not just called to serve. We serve because he has served us. He is a servant. 
God himself served us. And so we find ways to serve him and to serve one another. And so when we, we come to a day like today, we're reminded what David said in Psalm 105.8. God stands by his covenant, the commitment he made to a thousand generations. We remember uh, that he is the one who so faithfully uh, served us and gave himself uh, for us. So what's, what we're going to do today is to express back to him our love, but to join with his son, as so many so faithfully in Acts did, to join with the kingdom work that his son had gifted uh, to them. And so as we close, uh, we'll, we'll have a, a hymn. Now listen, we don't do this in the Methodist church. It's somewhere in the book of discipline. It says, all Methodists will feel awkward about coming to the altar rail. I know it's there. Or maybe it's Leviticus, right? So you don't have to do that. We're going to have a time after the benediction. Most of us will come after the benediction. And as we're leaving this morning, and there are baskets here and baskets in the back, and you just take your commitment card and put it in there. But at the singing of the hymn, if you need to pray, if you're stepping out in faith in a new way to serve, as we said in our first sermon together, to be open to allow this season to do its work. And so he's calling me to a new thing in my witnessing. He's calling me in a new way to give. He's calling me in a new way to serve. Maybe you want to put that at what John Oswalt reminds us. We've kind of in our Methodist tradition said, Christ has completed his work on the cross. This is no longer the altar. Here's the altar right here. Here's where the sacrifices of the people are made. And so maybe you want to come and to pray during the hymn. We're going to sing. We've got plenty of time to sing all the verses. And you want to come before you make your commitment and do that? I'm going to invite you to it. Last thing. I'm blessed as your pastor to get to sneak into different things and to watch how God's working through you. To sneak in and go on the Lake Junaluska trip. And the bus actually didn't smell that bad. I was, these are great kids. But to get back into student ministry and to watch how Christ is being lifted up with our students. Or to get to be a part of confirmation last week. Or to sneak into the different things that we do to help encourage our, through our kids' ministry, to help our kids know the Bible and to know Jesus. And to see him so clearly and wonderfully lifted up. Uh, to watch a team yesterday serve at Delta Grace. And to serve four different households. And, and be the hands and feet and encouragement of Christ, to see how you're stepping out in faith and adding Celebrate Recovery to your budget when we're a growing budget and say we want to reach people who are struggling with all kinds of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I get to watch that. And when you and I step out in faith to give and say we're going to support the church, we're all a part of those continued growing ministries to Madison, to the metro area, to Mississippi, and to more. Jesus begins this book. Luke wants us to make sure we get it. It's to Jerusalem, it's to Judea, to Samaria, and to the utter ends. When you and I pray faithfully, when we're together faithfully, when we serve and when we give, we get to be a part of that wonderful full, fourfold ministry of Jesus. So this altar rail is open. Maybe somebody, maybe many of us need to come and pray before we make our gifts, and then after that we'll receive the benediction. But let's worship and respond to this word. But again, the altar rails open. Let's stand together as we sing our closing.